This is the second Sunday of our new sermon series called Journeying Through Doubt, where we've polled the congregation for questions, hard questions about the faith, things that you might struggle with. You can uh, see that in your church newsletter. You can send in your questions. You can email me directly. You can put it on a prayer card. And I'm taking all these things together and trying to figure out what would be good for our congregation to wrestle with out loud. That is the shape of our faith. It's not always easy to love God with our minds, but we also believe we don't leave our minds at the door. And so we're going to take a look at some things that challenge us. Not everybody. And I don't promise that I'm going to answer all your questions, but we're going to try to engage God in those areas that are challenging for a lot of us. And I think that's a pretty holy thing to do. Wouldn't you agree? Wow. Chirp, chirp. Would you agree? Thank you. Today's question. These are all anonymous, by the way. I don't know who asked it. They asked the question, we talk about the power of prayer a lot. In fact, when things seem really troubling, we ask for, we want more people to pray. Is it the case that we can really manipulate God into doing what we want just by having more people praying? And then what happens when you pray and you don't receive the outcome that you're hoping for? It's easy for Christians to then say things like, well, that's just the will of God. And the person found it kind of disingenuous of Christians that speak in these ways because it seems like whichever way you look at it, you're coming up with what is a nice faith-confirming answer. So they wanted to know, what about that? So here we are with fear and trembling to talk about prayer. When I was in junior high, I wasn't a great student. Now, I'm not telling you I was a stupid kid. I just didn't really care for the books. I wanted to spend my time trying to find a girlfriend, play sports, be popular. So I was really social in junior high. And I started very unintelligently every semester by coasting right through until midterm time. Midterms, whenever you would get a grade below expectation, the teacher would send this thing called a pink slip to your house. Is there anything more terrifying than seeing an envelope with pink paper in it when you're a kid during midterms? I knew I was probably going to get a pink slip for at least math, if not a couple other classes. And so on the bus ride home, as I looked at farm fields and houses and neighborhoods and bus stops, I sat quietly and inwardly prayed. Then when they dropped me off, I I took the mile walk home and I prayed aloud because I was alone. And I said, dear God, please send your Holy Spirit inside that envelope to change the ink on that paper to give me a grade that my parents won't be too angry with. That might seem silly. Certainly the way I felt, God never did enter to the envelope. My sister did steal some of those pink slips for me, though. That's another story for another time. We do have this popular notion It comes out in Christian language a lot. I'm not sure we've parsed it out and asked a lot of things about it. The the notion is the phrase, the power of prayer. Faithful Christians will say, I believe in the power of prayer. And they'll say, I need you to pray for me. I'm having a trial. Or please get more people praying because my husband or my wife is ill and we really need your prayers. I believe in the power of prayer. Do you? Should you? What does it mean to say that prayer has power? I don't think consciously we think about it this way, but if we really probed ourselves internally, 
we might find that we kind of treat God like a cosmic Santa Claus. We give God our list of requests and we hope God speaks into it. And if we really think about the phrase, the power of prayer, what it can imply is that if we just pray hard enough, if we just pray faithfully enough, and if we just get more people to do it, we may just get God to answer us the way we want God to answer us. In effect, we can move God to our will. Is there power in prayer? Is there power when more people say a prayer? I don't know. I don't know because we've prayed the prayer that was read a moment ago called the Lord's Prayer. We pray it every Sunday. Christians have been reading it all throughout time and praying it, and that's a lot of people. Yet I do know something about the world. God's will in heaven has yet to fully come here on earth. And you know how I know that to be true? Because I look at the news. I see some of you wearing the ribbons to support Ukraine. There is still wars in our world. There is still hungry people. And when I drive home today, I drive by a new tent city here in Atlanta. God's will is not perfectly done here as it is in heaven. Yet we pray about it, and we've done it for generations. But then we go to well-worn passages like James, the epistle of James, where he reminds us that when we're sick, we pray for it, and the prayer of righteous people is effective. That's in there too. Have you ever been like me, though, sitting next to somebody in a hospital bed that you love and just appealing to God? Just please heal him. Please heal him. And they not get healed. You might think, well, Jared, maybe you're not such a righteous person, but righteous people have prayed that prayer. St. Teresa's prayed that prayer. Sometimes the prayers don't come back in the return that we look for. So what is going on? I guess we can say, like the question implied, we can just simply say, well, this wasn't the will of God today. But I wonder if what we're really asking when we're talking about the power of prayer, I wonder if we're missing the point. Because if there's power to be had at all, the power resides with God not necessarily an incantation or words or being faithful enough or even fasting. By the way, when I was a kid and I wanted God to change my grades magically, I didn't eat food just to show him how sincere I was. The power is God. And we appeal to God wanting God to respond. And sometimes we have healing. And sometimes the answer we hear from God is yes, and then sometimes we don't hear, and that can be hard for us. But that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon in the Bible. Psalm 22, attributed to David, might as well be called a prayer. It is a prayer. It's a prayer in the form of a song. And in that prayer, David says over and over and over, God, take away my enemies. God, protect me from the villains. God, deliver me from all my angst and pain, and it doesn't happen. And so later, the words from Psalm 22 find their way into the mouth of our Savior on a cross who says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's an ineffable mystery about God. 
We don't know everything of God. We wrestle and we're open. And sometimes we pray and things work out and sometimes they don't. And it's demonstrated even by the Savior, the Son of God, God in flesh, who is in the Gethsemane Garden the night before he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he said, Father, don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. Translation me. Don't make me. But he did. And he went to cross death for you. And he went to cross death for me. Why do we talk about the power of prayer and why do we trust in that? Well, it's because we trust in God. But why is it that we get really interested in having a lot of people pray for us. Because I'll tell you this, whenever I'm in trouble, it makes me feel better having a lot of people pray for me. But why? My theory is it's because we're Americans, and Americans in our own DNA are absolutely optimistic. It's written into the Constitution of the United States. Before the American experiment in the Western world, people were relegated to social classes and hierarchies that they were born into. You were not going to rise above your station. But in our country's brilliance, it actually lets people rise up. And so we have this optimism. And I'm not saying that's bad. I think it's wonderful to be hopeful. I think it's wonderful to reach for more. I think it's wonderful to trust that things will work out. But sometimes they don't, too. And we cry out. And sometimes the answer to our prayer is not yes. Sometimes it's a no. And sometimes it's my grace is sufficient for you. But I think maybe the struggle behind the question being asked is that we tend to think of prayer in shallow terms like a cosmic Christmas list. If I say the right things, if I do the right things, if I faithful enough, then God will say yes to me. But what if the whole point of prayer isn't to bend the will of God to my will, but it's to bend my will to God's will? Let me be frank, be frank with you. If I'm sick, I want your prayers. And I believe that prayer is our avenue to speak to God, and I believe in the power of God, the great physician. So by all means, pray for me. Pray for me now, please. I want your prayers. But my prayers should not only be about things that I want and yearn for. My prayers should put me in a better alignment with God because the point is the destination is not all there is, but it's the journey. Christian faith is about the journey and that journey sometimes puts pressure and pain and suffering on us. And it's a crucible that if we follow Christ in it, we become more like Christ. It's not just about where we end up, but it's the journey and the process. And prayer is the language we speak to grow into the likeness of Christ. So there are good prayers that you can say that help you practice bending your will to God. We do it every Sunday with the Lord's Prayer. And do you notice how many things that we're asking for? Not much. We're asking for our daily needs to be met. We're asking for forgiveness and we're offering forgiveness. And then we say, keep us away from temptation. Most of it's about the holiness of God and God's ways being bent in our heart or bending our hearts to the will of God's ways. 
So there are other prayers too that you can think about to help you reimagine what prayer could and should be like. The great 20th century theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, one of the most prominent 20th century Protestant American theologians, wrote a prayer that's been changed and augmented, and it's a prayer that many, many people in our world say because it's a prayer that reminds us of what we're really here for, to bend our hearts and wills to that of Jesus. And that prayer is called the serenity prayer. O God and Heavenly Father, grant to us the serenity to accept that which we cannot, that cannot be changed, the courage to change what can be changed, and the wisdom to know the difference. I believe God is there and God is not silent and God says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And I believe God hears us. But the power is with God. And sometimes the point, the point is beyond what we understand, what God wants for us. The point is always, however, to find our heart bent toward God and the will of God. For his will be done on earth as it is in heaven.